Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On the Sideline, a podcast for coaches and aspiring coaches, where we share the best practices of coaching, interview with coaches, and experts in the field of coach education. Here's your host, Vin Blaine. Welcome to another episode of On the Sideline. I'm your host, Vin Blaine. Joining me today is Carmelina Moscato, who will be discussing her fascinating coaching journey. Carmelina was a member of Team Canada's historic bronze medal winning soccer team in London 2012 and has participated in three FIFA Women's World Cup teams. She was the head coach of Canada's under-15 national team that won silver at the 2016 Girls Under-15 CONCACAF Championships, as well as an assistant with the Under-20 national team in 2018 and 2020. She's also a coach educator with CONCACAF and a UEFA A-licensed coach. Hey, Carmelina, thanks for joining me on the sideline. Uh, it's a pleasure uh, having you on. Thanks, It's an honor. Thank you for accepting my invitation in the first place. I'm honored. <laughs> so I want to start off by... Look at your early days in, in, in soccer, where you started, what you accomplished in the early days, leading you up to where you are now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you always want to go down memory lane. And like you said, this can take uh, two hours, but I'll give you the the overview of, of my, my life in soccer, I guess. You know, a very, I guess for, for me, started at four years old. Uh, I was my brother's shadow. So I just wanted to do anything my brother did. And basically, I would I would actually just uh, while he was playing soccer, I'd go into his game day warm ups and ruin them. So my parents knew they had to keep me busy. They signed me up because uh, I was running on the field anyway. So I ended up uh, signing up for soccer. I kind of had a really cookie cutter career, you know, in can for a Canadian in the sense that I had a, a house league, which is you know recreational. Um, I advanced to a representative team. We used to call it rep. Now it's called sort of competitive or high performance. Uh, and we started that early. Like I was 10 years old and I was already on a representative team, which, you know, nowadays is almost too young. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, do that yeah, anymore. Right. You want to keep, you want to keep, you know, kids, kids. But that wasn't the case anyway when I grew up. Uh, I'm an 84 born. Mm -hmm. um, things are always evolving. But um, so anyways, yeah, I made uh, the provincial team at around 15 years old. And I would say, you know, Making the provincial team at that age really changed the course of my career because I was acknowledged by a level above where I was. And I didn't realize, you know, you just play for the love of it and for fun. And I was passionate. But when somebody outside recognizes something in you that you didn't even know yourself, uh, you know, that was really a jumpstart for my passion and motivation to take it seriously, to adjust my nutrition, to train like a like a little pro. You know, like I really did. I, I started to research. I, I grew up in an Italian uh, home, Vin. So I was eating a big portions of pasta and, <laughs> you know, veal yeah. parmigiano every night. And, yeah. and I needed to sort of, yeah, clean that up and take my fitness more seriously. So anyways, that was a turning point for me. 
uh, led me to the youth national team from some identification, you know, tournaments that we had. Youth national team, full national team by the age of I, I, I 17 years old. Yeah, I knew, I knew you hit it at 16 and move, move on. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And, and it was, uh, you know, of course, an honor. I went to the 2003 Women's World Cup as the 21st player uh, on the roster, very last position. And, you know, my career was quite short-lived at the beginning. I I made that team at the World Cup. Canada went on to try to qualify for the Olympic Games in 04, the Athens Games, and we didn't qualify. So, you know, how the quadrennials reset. So as of 2005, I was no longer part of the Canadian player pool. Uh, I was just totally released. I was 19 years old, uh, sort of lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I also failed to mention, I, I, during that whole time, I was already at Penn State University. So I had, uh, I had, I'm living the dream, right? Like that's what you're supposed to do as a North American. You're supposed to <laughs> go and get a scholarship somewhere yeah. and try to play in university and college. And you know what? I, I achieved that. If that's what, you know, if that's the goal, I did it. And I was at Penn State going into my junior year. My national team didn't want me anymore. <laughs> I and, I, and I had to go. Yeah. And, you know, you had to go finish your ac- academics, your education, your degree. Mm-hmm. I graduated from University of Penn State with a degree in my hand, which was, you know, of course, the ultimate goal is to graduate with a degree, which we did. I went on to continue to play at the W League. But as you know, Vin, the W League was just very, it was, they called it semi-pro, but right. we weren't paid much. <laughs> yeah. So I was playing for free with a college education in my hand with nowhere to go Where to go yeah <laughs> but, you know thought to myself like what do you do what do you do with this uh passion what do you do with this this knowledge mm-hmm. um so i ended up taking a job actually i quit my soccer career there was no really big goal to play for anymore in my heart so i took a job at the university of louisville uh in the ncaa division one so i was an assistant coach at 23 years old mm-hmm. coaching uh, women my own age basically so, so your, turn, uh, your, your turnaround came out of necessity. I was yeah. forced out, like there was nowhere to go. So your venture into coaching, was it a deliberate move or you just happened to be around and you joined in the program? Or did you move from just an ordinary player into assisting as a coach? It's a very, very good question because if, if I were to, you know, the story is uh, zigzag, but really if I talk about my first initial uh, experience with coaching. I was actually 16 years old. My brother, uh, he's the catalyst for me. Mm-hmm. He ended up allowing me to coach his girls team. Mm-hmm. And they were like 14 year old girls. I was 16. He would come and say, listen, Carm, do you want to run a few sessions for us? Beautiful. And for me, I thought I was Pep Guardiola. And I was running like <laughs> stations, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was I was running like station exercises in a little gym because Canada has the worst winters in the world. And we'd have a lot of gym sessions. And I actually got excited. I'm, I'm a natural born leader for sure. So yes. coaching was always going to be part of my realm. I didn't know how. I actually thought maybe teaching. Yeah. I, I knew I wanted to teach and coach and lead. So those were the clues. Mm-hmm. And then when I got an opportunity to coach as an assistant at the NCAA level, I was like, I was running. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try this. Yeah, yeah. But the teaching, well, you know, the, the terminology is now have changed a bit because teaching comes in hand in hand with coaching now. You know, you're teaching the players. So you're, you're a teacher with, with, a, with, with a different um, curriculum, you know, a different different agenda. But it's the same thing. You have to know the personalities of the players. You have to know your age group you're, you're, you're teaching. In reality, not formally, you're coaching for at least 20 years. And maybe formally for maybe about 10. So your early years at 16. Yeah. And 
you're you should thank your brother for that exposure. I sh I really do. I thank him every day because yeah. it's, it's totally part of my DNA. And you know, you know, you, you know why? Big role model. Yeah, I love that what he did for you. It's so ironic because just recently a coach messaged me and asked me how early should a should a player start coaching, and I think he was asking me this is an answer in a formal way that they should start. And I did the same thing. I just did the same thing. I said, listen, at 16 year old, they won't get much uh, accommodation to do license and that type of thing. But you, they can expose that they can get exposed to coaching by hanging around a team, you know, and getting a chance to see what's happening. So that's an informal introduction yeah. to coaching. Because a lot of us, and I was speaking to you off, off air earlier, and you were saying that if you were to do it again, you would start with your badges a little earlier. Explain what you meant by that. Yes. Yeah. So for me, like you said, I had a soft start, an informal start to coaching, which, you know, even giving somebody the task of running a session, they'll go through a process of freaking out because mm -hmm. they don't know what to, where to start. Right. It's like the first time you do anything, you're a novice, you're just learning. And then, you know, like you said, as I went through my career and I had different and various opportunities, not once was I really told to start my coaching badges early. And, you know, the more I hear other people's stories, some people had their C license, their D license, their B license by their mid-20s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I could have done that in succession with my other plan, but it really wasn't mapped out for me that way. I had a couple diplomas under my belt, which was a good start, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but really, I wish somebody had said, go take your C license, go be uncomfortable. You won't know everything, but you're going to learn and it's okay. That's, that's and I wanted to do that probably right away. Right away. I should have done that around, you know, right as soon as I graduated, I should have started those badges. And, you know, it's all good. It, I, I ended up achieving them anyway, but a lot later in my career. So that's my advice to all listening. Yeah. I would start it as soon as you feel the itch and the passion. It's never going to hurt. Right. Because I'm doing this podcast specifically to reach out to female coaches or, or females who aspire to be coaches. But maybe feel a little shy, you know, because that's it. I, I'm going to refer back to something because. I've been on workshops with you and yes. you were probably one of maybe four ladies that are there with 20 men. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and I must say that I could see your maturity coming from your experience prior to, because you're never intimidated by the men. I think maybe, the, right. men, I think yeah. maybe the men were intimidated by you. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. You know? No. Um... <laughs> You touch upon the other part of some something that I've I've worked on, but I've always been in, you know, confidence, this elusive word that nobody knows. How do you gain confidence? How do you get it if you don't have it? You know, what, what are, what's the formula for confidence? And I'm not one to fake it till I make it. I'm not one of those women. Right. I'm just not that kind of person. Right. My confidence comes from preparation. My confidence comes from no matter who is in the room with me, you can't take certain things away from me. My passion, my curiosity, my, my work ethic. I know that one thing I can control in my life is how, how hard I work at something. And nobody can ever challenge me. That's my foundation. you know. And that's what I pride myself on. So to be honest, everybody gets their com confidence from different sources. But my foundation is built on things I can control. So when I'm in a room of, of men, of people more experienced than me, I know my role. If some, if I'm in a room with all the top coaches like you guys, you've been, you're for sure somebody I look up to, Vin, because I know you've been doing this forever. 
So instead of trying to be your colleague or your peer, it's about learning from you. Now I'm curious. Yes, yes. And, and, so every and, time you speak, I'm listening. Yeah, I know that because we sat at the same table once and we, I know I learned from you guys too. You would never stop learning, right? The question I want to ask you now, Noah, your first assistant job was at, was at University of Louisville, right? What did you learn coming to your first, let's call it formal assistant coach? Yeah. You were exposed to a head coach. We're not going to talk about a head coach now. Because yeah, yeah. in regards to what the head coach does, you're still learning, right? Yes. How important was that first move into coaching for you, to your development? Uh, it, was, it was everything. And, and I have to reiterate, you don't have to be a polished, finished product to try something, to go for it, right? She hired me for a reason because I had things to ha to offer. I was a young female who had been at a World Cup that had a lot of experience to offer. But from a coaching pedagogy or methodology or things of that nature, total novice. Mm -hmm. You know, what I learned is that I didn't know what I didn't know. Yes, yes. As a, yes. As a player, you know, to be able to feel the game and to say, oh, you know, players always think, I can easily coach. I know how, I know the game inside mm -hmm. and out. I played it. right. No chance. No chance. <laughs> totally articulating, different. Articulating. Huh? Articulating. Totally different. Articulating yeah. the game in a way that somebody understands, like you said, that they can learn, that you can have a teaching environment. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's going to take the rest of my life to continue to hone in on, to to refine. That That's what it's about. Teaching is about the learner, mm -hmm. the person mm -hmm. understanding yes. and making it their own journey. Right. Right. I agree with you. And is it is it a, is it almost like a peer-to-peer um, relationship at that level you know you, you, she can Can't, guide it very you. much can be right yes yes and it's it's about you know for me it's learning about better questions to ask mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. important to, eh? you know really important you know like the quality of the questions is almost the quality of your your session your relationship your your your, your journey with the learner you know it's the quality of, of what you extract from them right what you pour in mm -hmm. and what you extract Beautiful. It's it's a very cool process. Beautiful. Yeah. I think one of the areas that a lot of coach misses out on is the organization. How did that experience, how, what it did to you as far as learning to organize yourself as a coach? Really good. Uh, Vin, I love your questions today. They're very uh, engaging. Um, so for me, a lot of what it has to do with is I know this, you can be motivated by love, by fear by anything, right? You can be motivated by a certain amount. And I, you stand in front of a group of women, right? And imagine you're unprepared. It's embarrassing. You know, like you don't want to not have the answers or look like you have your stuff together. Right. So that's, that's a weird motivator. It may not be the reason other people do things. But for me, when you stand in front of a group, you want to be proud mm -hmm. of what you're saying, how you say it, you know, even in sessions to the point where if I didn't nail the transition between one exercise to the next, yes. I felt embarrassed. If you don't have if you don't have the transitions ready, the player rotations, the, the cone to pick up, like mm -hmm. you want to be uh, perfect, right? But and yeah, uh, it's yeah. impossible, but it's my motivation. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going down this pathway because I've seen a lot of people coming to coaching. But what you just talked about, about your, your, your transition into tra the training sessions or you organize your training sessions. And one thing I can tell coaches that the players themselves recognize we are not doing the right. They'll yeah. recognize, <laughs> especially the ones who have been playing a couple of years in, in the program, you know, because they're, oh, they're, they're, they're some of them. Out. Yeah, they call, <laughs> they call you out. Definitely. <laughs> they definitely call you out. So you were moving on from, I know, I know you had an, another assistant coaching job in at Wisconsin. 
You're right. You were uni- you were right. assistant yeah. coach, right? So coming from 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 uh, Louisville, where you got your your feet wet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, going yeah. to Wisconsin, you know, you're more of a, we call it, we call it the Caribbean, you're a big coach now, you know? <laughs> well, wait, hold on, Tim. There's, a, there's an interesting plot twist. Yeah. There's more to the story, okay. right? Okay. So, you go ahead. So, I, I go to, to Louisville two years into the job. I get actually a call from one of my friends, and she's on the national team for Canada. She calls me while I'm recruiting, and she goes, Carm, Canada has a new coach. Her name's Carolina Morace. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you need to come back to the team. Mm-hmm. To play? And I said, to play? <laughs> oh, man, I'm 25 years old. I swear, Vin, I'm not proud of this. I was having a Diet Coke and a little bag of chips when she called. Totally out of the high-performance lifestyle in terms yes. of ath- athletics. Mm-hmm. I, I actually laughed on the call. I said, listen, that boat has sailed. Sorry about that. Like, thanks for thinking of me. Like, yes. see you later. Yes. And, uh you know, it really ignited a, a fire in me for some reason. I actually can't describe that. I, I felt like my potential was untapped. I mean, mm-hmm. to quit the game at 19 years old is quite... Yeah, that's quite early. You know, Weird. quite early. I had no major injuries, you know, nothing that was stopping me other than, I don't know, a willingness to get back to world-class fitness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I did that and I begged I begged for a tryout to as a player again. And uh, Vin, you'll never believe it. I just I, I quit my job. I had uh, no guarantee guarantees in life and mm-hmm. I took a risk I took a huge risk to play soccer again and uh you'll never believe the fact that I was going home my coach the coach Carolina didn't know who I was she had no idea so when I reached out for a tryout she ended up saying sorry I don't know who you are why don't you go ahead and play soccer for a while and maybe we can make a story of your career and you can get what? you a trial but right now you're like a nobody what? <laughs> so I did that. I did that. Yes. I did that. I, I quit my job. I put myself on a team. Mm-hmm. I put myself strategically on a team that I knew she'd be watching the other girl. Right, right. That's good. Good idea. <laughs> Smart. I went yeah. and she she saw me and because I had worked on my fitness, I was absolutely unbelievably fit at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. Um, had had quit my my job. She actually invited me into a camp with Canada for a trial because she had seen that I was a box to box midfielder at the yes. time and and she was curious. So all to say that little risk mm-hmm. turned into uh, Louisville that ended. I made the national team for an additional, you'll never believe it, six years. What? I played longer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, two World Cups and an Olympic bronze in my pocket by the end of the second round of my career. Like, it was a dream. Mm-hmm. And really, uh, John Herdman, after we won the bronze medal in London in 2012 with Canada, you know, Karina LeBlanc on the team, mm-hmm. Sinclair, all the legends. I was so grateful to be part of that group. Yes. John actually retired me. He said, thank you for your service for Canada. I need you to move on again. Mm-hmm. I had another hard, hard, hard like retirement. So that's where Wisconsin came in. Amen. That's why I moved to Wisconsin. Oh, OK. OK. So there's always a story behind the story. Yeah. Sure. No, I didn't coach for six years. Yes. Um at all and that's when i was telling you vin i wish i had taken my licenses during that six-year period that's when i should have started i should have got my season b's and that's a question i was going to ask you so i was going to ask you answer it i was going to ask you if you had had your any badges during that time but you never did none so wisconsin diplomas yes wisconsin is the same thing now right wisconsin you got to wisconsin assistant coach and then uh your career started again I got a call seven months later and I said, I, ha- I looked up and I said, you have to be kidding me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like professionally, 
professionally, it's not a good thing to say you're going to be somewhere for two years yes. and then you leave after seven months. That's not who I am. I have more integrity than that. Yes. But I knew my playing career had a t had an, an end, like mm -hmm. a, an expiry date. Mm -hmm. So had I not taken the opportunity to play in a in a home World Cup, by the way, that was what I was aspiring to do, which mm -hmm. is uh, any footballer's dream. I had to go towards the 2015 World Cup, even if I didn't make it. It would I would have kicked myself for not trying. So I added another three years to my career after I quit Wisconsin. So that was short lived. Mm -hmm. um, Played till 2015, officially retired in 2016, and you know uh, what, Vin? I met you in 2018. Yeah, so yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. So far, it's a good journey. What I want to ask you now, though, when you got to Wisconsin, was it was it a little bit easier for you based on what you did before uh, as a coach? Not and, and and I go to the badges after, but was it a little bit easier for yeah. you? I'll tell, and I'll, the answer is yes, and I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. Mm -hmm. It's because I had a mentor in John Herdman, right? Who modeled a way of coaching that I had never seen in my entire life. The level the level of detail, the level of four-corner preparation, mm -hmm. mental, social, emotional. You know, he took it to another level, and I lived it as a player. So then I knew I had this burning desire to give it back, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? And, that, and that's what coaches need to understand. No matter what, you will have an imprint on your players. Yes, that is true. And, and uh, Yeah, that is true. Or bad. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. That is true. So when, I know you're coaching and you got into coaching and you're doing coaching. But when, the re, when did the real passion for coaching kick in? When John, uh, I officially retired and it was in May 2016. In June 2016, I was in China coaching the U17 national team with no badges. So I'm telling you, when somebody believes in you, yes. when sees something in you, he, he's the, the second iteration of my brother. You know, it's like my brother at the beginning kickstarted and John Herdman was the one to really put this belief in me. You know, he said things like, I think you're going to be one of the best coaches in the world. Mm. And when somebody says that to you, it lifts you up. Yes. It lifts you up in a way where you're like, really, <laughs> I can do that? And we don't know what's our future because you, I'm sure you never at 90, at 21, mm -hmm. and you started to in college and you, you got the other 20 uh, and assistant coaching job. Did you at any point see you at, as a national assistant coach? No, in a, in a, in a World Cup qualifier. Did you envisage that now, at all? Now, it, now it's the only place I see myself. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, and I say that respectfully. I, yeah. I'm not above or I'm not below. I'm, you know me, Vin. I'm not yes. an arrogant or right. or um, that kind of person. You know, right. it's not, that's not what I mean. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I get energy from that environment because it's a guarantee on a national team level that those people involved, staff and players, are pushing to be their best, and that's what I want. Well, I want to be around that. Right. I want to talk about something that was a little bit um, not controversial, but we told we, you said to me that you wish you'd started your badges earlier in, that, in those years that you're off from, from, from football, from soccer. And then again, no, you said no, that if you were, you were, you were coaching in, where was it again, uh, China? Uh, it was a, an event in China, like a right. tournament for U-17s. And you, were, you had no badge at the time. All right, yeah. now, now let's get back to that. Because yes. we are giving two different messages now, based on what you're, on what you're saying. You wish you had done your badges before, but you actually coach without a badge at a high level. So th that's what kickstarted my badges because right. because I had um, an experience that no really no other coaches had. Right? Think about it that way. So yes. I what I didn't have 
wasn't stopping me from giving what I did have, which was like World Cup experiences, Olympic experiences. I, I had a unique opportunity where John said, go for it and we will support you through your badges. Right. And you have to do them, by the way. If you accept this position, yeah. then you have to yes. do them. So guess what I did? I went to Canada Soccer and I said, you know, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm an ex-professional player, so where do I start? <laughs> right. You know, you just asked the question. And the person at the time, he asked me, he goes, you know, where do you think you should start? Because you have to start at the bottom. Mm-hmm. They didn't skip you one? And I said, no, but the thing, the misunderstanding was that I didn't want to skip. Oh, I didn't okay. think I needed to start mm-hmm. at the higher levels. Mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. his name was Ray Clark. I said, Ray, start me where you believe a coach should start. I don't need to skip any levels. Right, right. And Very that's, much. That's a good approach yes. because, you see, I think now you get down to the level where you're seeing you're a coach. You've been coaching. You've been exposed to good coaches. But your formal education never started. And there are some things that it's just like a person who can drive. They're not going to tell you the basics <laughs> of driving. They're going to drive. You have to pick up from them what they do. Right? So you, you being a coach and going back to the basics and learning all the rudiments and the methodology and all that, do you think that, for the younger coaches that are listening, do you think that yeah. pathway is a very good one to enhance your development because you get the basics going through? Without a doubt. I put my name on that, Vin. Like, I believe there is no level too low. There is no message. Uh, the rudiments need to be heard and heard again to build on that foundation. And the feedback I received, the formal feedback on my first assessment at the C license in Canada was I was a cheerleader. Oh, yeah. I'll be honest what that means. You understand? Yeah, you understand? You know, like I was, you understand? I'm making a lot of noise, huh? <laughs> Yeah, you were making noise, you know, like coaches are supposed to like shut up basically and, you know, hand over the game. And I'm still a center back barking at my my players being like, move here, do this, do that. And my first feedback was so powerful. It was like, I really have to transition from player to coach. And it it is very different. I call them when when we're doing courses and I say to the uh, participants, you know, you can't be a commentator on the sideline because (laughs) half the things they don't hear, you know. Half the things they don't hear. I say what I want the, the coaches out there, both male and female that will be listening, and, um, and other coaches who can give advice to young and upcoming coaches. Yes, not because you played at the higher level. That means you are automatically a good coach, right? right. Because you, right. you can destroy players by not knowing the methodology, you know, eight specific um, exercises. And because I've seen people coaching under 13, under 12, and I'm just blown away by the, the nonsense they're doing. And, I, and no disrespect, but you know, you know what I'm talking, you know. They're, they're not, yeah, they're not yeah. doing anything yeah. that's age-specific. Right. So you got your first badge when? You remember what year? Yeah, I did. I got my first badge in 2017, uh, early 2017. Yeah, and, and because of your prior experience, your, your, your elevation, not your transition was a little bit easier. Because you kind of understood what you, what you did was formalize your education, but you, you could relate to a lot of things that was done in the, in, in the, um, the course, right? Could you? It was the first time. Yeah, it was the first time I felt fully ready yes. to pour in because my playing career was finally done. Yes. Finally. Yes. There was something where it wasn't going to pull me back. There's no way. 32 years old, my body was done. I, I was moving on. Mm-hmm. And coaching is my, uh, I wouldn't say even my second love. They were equal loves. Playing and coaching are yes. equal for me. Yes, yes. Um, and my second love, coaching, continued to take over then. And then I did my C, my Canadian B, 
my UEFA B, mm-hmm. my UEFA A. Right. So, All right, before we go into that, that I, I, I have quest- a specific questions for that. Yeah. After you left, yeah. uh, you, you, you left uh, Wisconsin, right? You played for a few more years. Yeah. You say you retired in 2015, 2015, 2017, 15. 2016. Officially. Yeah, officially. Yeah. Did you, did you ever coach at a club? Um, I actually coached uh, more guest coaching. I had never taken a team for a full season from the beginning to the end. I had not done that. Oh, so you I'd never had a, you never had a club for yourself? No I, no, I only had, funny enough, that's what I was saying. It was the interesting part. I had like an international team, which is obviously sporadic, quarterly. Yes, uh, yes. Preparing for events and camps, which is a specialty type of coaching, right? Like to coach a club every day, is, that's still what I want to do. I want to be a pro coach. Coach every single day. Exactly. I want that. I know the passion. I feel the passion because I saw the passion. So yeah, I, <laughs> you're preaching to the converted there. Uh, apart, from your, <laughs> apart from your brother. Apart from your brother, yeah. because I, I put yes. up your brother in a bracket by himself to have the confidence and the wherewithal to give you an opportunity to coach young ladies who are two years younger than you, okay? Yeah. I, <laughs> that, is, that is a challenge right there. But apart from your brother, I think you, I think you mentioned it already, but I want to ask you again. Apart from your yes. brother, yes. who was your greatest influence on you uh, becoming a coach? Yeah, it's always tough when you do the greatest right because you think of a few that the timing is everything but the greatest influence is is hands down john herdman yes um current men's national team coach for canada uh was the women's coach for for eight years um took us to heights and achievements that we never thought possible and somebody that again i i admire not for what we achieved but for the process in which we got there, for the culture, the culture he was able to create for a, a team that he was able to transform. And later in our careers, he taught us the game in a way we had never learned. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of things I admire about John. And a lot of it was how he knows how to get the best out of people. The rewards of sticking to something that you love, preparing yourself formally, can lead to a lot of opportunities for you. I think one of them, I think, where we met, where we met at a Conca- with CONCACAF. Yes. And yes. just give my listeners an idea of how did you transition? You don't have to tell me who called you. You don't have to, you have to go into that detail. But <laughs> your transition into being with CONCACAF. What are your duties? What, are your, what is your role in, in CONCACAF? Yeah, so really it started with um, the CONCACAF W program. So we all know Karina LeBlanc has come in and made such a splash and right. a huge impact in a short time. And uh, Karina has, has always considered myself and I consider Karina, we're, we're soldiers, you know, we want to do things together and we're, we're get, always willing to, to her, have you. I have to get her here too. And let, let me tell the listeners, yeah. <laughs> let, me tell, let, me tell, let me tell the listeners right away because Carmelina is my first female guest and I'm honored to have there her. On. All right, go ahead, go ahead. Though, get back to get back to the concrete <laughs> thing. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, so you man. know what, Karina's a trailblazer, a pioneer, whatever the word we we choose to use for women who have uh, paved a new path. And there's a when when you want to go on a journey with somebody, the the first component, the first virtue for me is trust. You know. And so I know Karina trusts what I'm going to be willing to do and continue to do for the people and women and men in the region. She knows that I have something to give. And she's seen that uh, in my career. And it's it's another person who believes in in what I can do. 
do and and it has elevated me not only professionally but just as a person so you know i'd go to war for her i'd go to war for for the women in that program and uh the people now in concacaf it's something i take pride in in giving back to the game right and you get an opportunity as a coach educator correct and that, that, that's yeah, coach uh, educator yes and mentorship yeah. right that, that's wonderful and i think that we need we need that with your experience and your background, you can relate to a lot of things and uh, impart that knowledge on, on young ladies. I know they try to box you guys into the female side, but I'm quite confident that you could impart the same knowledge to, to males. Because football yeah. is football. I believe. Yeah, football I believe football. that too. Yeah, football is football. It's our language, right? We connect through that language. And uh, as long as you, you're a people person, you have, a little, you have emotional intelligence, you can connect with anyone. Yes. Now that, you, now that we, we have mentioned the CONCACAF and the coach educator side of things, and there are other things they're doing, I'll get to that. But what's the difference now between you coaching players and you coaching adults? What's the difference you find? Let me rephrase that. Not coaching, educating. Educating, yeah. Adults, yes. Yeah, no, I hear you. And uh, one of the things that stood out in, in one of the courses we took together, Vin, was with the gentleman from UEFA, Danny. Danny Reiser. Danny Reiser, yeah. And the thing that stood out, like, we learned a lot, right? We've been learning a lot. But for me, he did this one little graph, and I'll, I'll describe it. It's not even that long. But really, you know, if you think about a novice, intermediate expert, and then he drew a line, he drew a line to the graph and it was sort of like taking us on a journey to understand that if somebody is a novice, they actually don't have deep knowledge on a subject or a position on the field or something along those lines. Or an adult who doesn't have a lot of knowledge about coaching, you shouldn't be asking them open-ended questions because they don't actually have anything to pour back out to you. You should ask them better questions like binary. So adult learning is about engaging the individual so that you hand over the journey, that it feels like they are the one leading, you're facilitating. Right. So so adult learners need to be stimulated, need to feel self-sufficient, need to feel um, that they own the process. Or and, and when I look at what the difference is with players, there's not much. Not much. I was about, <laughs> I was about to say to you the same thing. The players have to feel that they have some ownership. They have to be stimulated. And I like, the thing about open-ended question is something that I, which we, we tell coaches that, that we're, that we're lecturing yeah, to. But it's not right. always appropriate. It's not always appropriate. But I think that they have to look, this is the difference when, you're, when you get formal information on how to conduct a session, because you can tell the ones that are, some, some who are educated to fall back. You see, and telling a player what you want, well, you know, it's coach-centered and not player-centered. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're trying to impress people that they know. And that's, that, that's, that's a danger there. That's a danger there. There is. Big danger. Yeah. In your involvement also, you, you mentioned mentoring. Part of your educating on the course is mentoring, just the same. But as a, as a mentor, what does that involve with, for you and the persons you're mentoring? What's the importance of that? Uh, from, from the experience I have with the CONCACAF mentorship program with a few of the females on the, the D license that we, we drove last year, we, it was the first ever that, uh, that we know of that was was done uh, all female. So I, t I had a few candidates afterwards where we continued a, a sort of year long journey together. Right. And what I realized is, you know, you have to find ways to hand over the journey. You're a sounding board for the most part. You're helping them from A to B with clues, tips, mm -hmm. good questions. Have you thought about this? Right. Um, types of types of things where, you know, the first thing was, do we understand and do we agree that we're going to work together? You have to get that consensus from somebody that they want it too. Right, right. That's where you start. Right. 
but and that's where, that's, where, that's where the facilitating comes in and your advice comes in and understanding what they want because if you can facilitate that that is important your yeah, journey asking them what they want out of it yeah yeah your and so your journey from your 16 years old and coaching and coaching without a badge and coaching with several badges and then you get your EOA for a license getting into CONCACAF now being a, a coach educator and a mentor all those experience you had coming through do you think that enhanced your delivery as a coach educator which is a little different because you have to step, step back but you could look back at those things and help yes. your way forward for sure. So I am a, a product of all the experiences and people that I've met, for sure. But this is where I, I believe the key difference is. It's no matter what I've experienced, it's actually irrelevant when you're speaking to somebody. Because although I probably have wisdom and knowledge to offer because of my experiences, it doesn't make that person feel any different because it's about them. <laughs> yes. that's the crazy part you know yes, so yes. so they can feel confidence in having a mentor that's experienced and has the knowledge but i'm not the giver of knowledge they actually have it in themselves it's how do i get it from them mm -hmm. how do i work with them on the journey leading them to good books and podcasts and things where they actually want to educate themselves right because it's not about my journey mm -hmm. it's not about me that's what i blurred <laughs> yeah no that that is that and that is true and I want to reflect on, not to reflect, but I want to ask you this again. With your advice to young and upcoming coaches, what would you say to them? It's not my final question, really. I know I would say that for my final question. But where you are now, you think your positive attitude towards learning and advancing helped you to be where you are now? I mean, I, I don't mean to be, uh, like, cheesy, but I do have a little, like, for me, it's a formula. You know, it's the passion plus the curiosity, and you can say passion plus, plus curiosity, which equals growth mindset, to know that you're never done. You're never done learning. Every conversation, you learn something more than you did a second ago from everyone. Everyone has something to teach you if you have that mindset. So passion and curiosity eat, lead to excellence. And fueling that process is hard work, is making sure that, you know, I make time every day. Every day I make time to speak to somebody, to read something, to... Like, I'm never done. And I'm always curious to chase new information, new ways to say something that I've said for 20 years. I want to find a new way to say it because that will appeal to a new person. So passion, curiosity, and growth equals excellence. Beautiful. And, and, and fueling and, that is hard work. Yeah. And, and interesting enough, whatever you're doing now has something to do with the game. Because you, you came from assistant coach, for a player, sorry. Or yeah. let me let me say that differently. You came from a coach at sixteen. <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah, to a player. True. <laughs> to a player. Right. Then you became an ex player for a while. Mm -hmm. Then you got into coach, assistant coach. And at the end of it you you uh, became a coach educator with CONCACAF. And you all, from all of that you became you were a color analyst, right? Yeah, as well. <laughs> with FI, yeah. with, uh, FI, with FIFA Women's World Cup, with the FIFA Women's World Cup. So your knowledge of the game assisted you there because you know you could relate from a coaching perspective and also a player perspective. How was that for you? How was that experience for you? I have to admit it was uh, such a it was probably one of the highlights of my entire career and the reason I say that is because I learned a new skill in a short time. I was really motivated by understanding how to be a color commentator. I, I didn't know the craft and I learned it really quickly because of my mindset. I was totally okay with making a fool of myself in the practices <laughs> yeah. you know uh, if i made a mistake 
they would just correct me and I took it right away and I moved on. Like I didn't even get, have time to feel bad about myself. I just was like, teach me, I'm dying to know. And it was a very fine line because I, I was commentating on the very people that I love, mm-hmm. that I played with, mm-hmm. but I also have to be critical of them. So there was this very fine line that I had to toe and I made sure that I put on my education cap. I was always kind. I think you can always deliver hard messages with kindness. Mm-hmm. And it led me to, I'm actually nominated for best analyst in Canada. And the reason I'm celebrating that is because I think I took an approach that was really well accepted. People saw that, you know, I'm not here to criticize because some analysts do that. eh? They want to say, I know more than you. Coaches do this too. I know more than you. I'm going to, I'm going to say how bad you were. So I look better. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) That doesn't work. And it didn't work. It's never going to work for analysts. Yeah. Well, I love your journey. Uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I decided I wanted and to give an experience to young and upcoming coaches and also coaches that are, who are struggling in the business. A little luck plays a big part sometimes. Uh, but what they say about luck comes from hard work. And I see where you're go- you're, you're, you are. Some people think badges are not important, but I believe it is. I noticed you got your badge from the Irish Football Association. Did you have to go there to get it done? Quite a bit, actually. The journey was uh, I had to go there three times times within two years um uh, complete all the coursework i was on the professional version or or edition of their badges and what that means is i was amongst players like tiago mendez uh ricardo carvalho uh some really big big pros and i was among i was the only woman in that course in that pathway and Mm. the reason i chose a uefa badge it was more about the uefa badge was because it's world recognized and i already told you my goal my goal is to be a professional coach globally i don't know where that opportunity will be Mm -hmm. so my canadian badges weren't as recognized yet right right on the global stage Mm -hmm. so i strategically had to take the uefa badges and now that i have that secured i'm going to go back and take the canadian a Mm -hmm. because amongst my canadian community they want to know that i went through the same grind that they went through so that's my next step not the pro canadian a yes yes I, I congratulate you for your growth because you, you, you mentioned 2016 or 2017, your first badge. That's less than three years. And for you to graduate that fast, it shows your dedication and your willingness to improve yourself as a coach. And that's, that's a important. Doubt. A doubt. That's important yeah, for me. Yeah. If I'm going to ask you one thing, is to, well, we do a recap. Speak to young, young female coaches you now. I'm mm-hmm. leaning towards female coaches. For young yes. and upcoming female coaches, and from your experience, which I think is a good one, what advice could you, would you be able to give them now, future, their, their future development pathway? Yes. So be hungry for knowledge. Be hungry. There's so much information on the internet, free information, uh, Twitter, Instagram. You'll never believe where you can find little nuggets of information. Keep looking. Find places where you can watch the game. Watch the game in a way with your hat on. Why did curiosity is the key here? Why did that player do that? Why did that coach play that tactic? How would you do it on yourself? Nobody's there to guide you along the way if you're saying, I don't have a mentor yet. I don't have somebody that believes in me yet. Guess what? Believe in yourself first. When somebody comes and knocking out your door, you've already been on the journey. You're not waiting for somebody to take you on it. That's the key. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps me fresh, excited, passionate. I wake up every day with the intention to learn. And I'm lucky people noticed it. Yes. Definitely. I, I'm, I'm good for but that. But I also earned it. <laughs> yeah, but you earned it because of your hard work and your dedication. 
Yes. What would you tell the ones that have not been able to do uh, get their badges yet? Yeah, I would. I would definitely. You know, there's like you said earlier, Vin. There's formal and informal education, right? So not, nothing stopping people from seeking, or first of all, keeping an eye on the opportunities. You know, does your federation, does your community take the community course? Take the very lowest course that you can in your area to kickstart the program. It may not be a badge. It was like me. I took diplomas. They were That's different than a badge. Yes. A diploma is just continued ongoing education. Now you can do it online. Right, right, My, right. You can do that stuff online. Nobody's going to, some of them are even free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So, so do all the little hard work before the badges come because badges are a financial uh, commitment. They're a time commitment. You may not be able to do that right now, and that's okay. But that doesn't stop you from getting the other stuff going. Yes, I always encourage coaches and national programs, as a matter of fact, national programs, to invite young ladies, because we need more young ladies in in, in the coaching arena, to invite them as guest coaches to their programs, expose them to to what formal coaching uh, atmosphere looks like. Correct, observing. Observing, you know. And like you, I think your pathway was, I think, was one of the best ones I've heard. Yeah, as far as coming from your 16 oh. right up, I think Thank you. things happen. You know, I think maybe the best thing happened is when uh, you took a time off, you reflect, yeah. came back. <laughs> you know, I think those things help you. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful to have you on to give information or, or share your pathway with, with young upcoming coaches. I think it's important for them I'm to I'm honored you, you asked me. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm super honored to be on this. Yeah, I'm honored, I'm honored that you accepted my, my invitation too. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> hopefully when you get your job as a uh, Barcelona women's um, coach, <laughs> then we can, then you'll, you'll, <laughs> you'll offer me a, a, an interview. I can catch up on me. Uh, then you'll be visiting, so it's all good. <laughs> okay, great, great. <laughs> All right, Carmelina, it was a pleasure. It was a joy. It was absolutely my pleasure having you on. And you're, I hope that this will get this podcast to reach aspiring coaches or coaches who can pass it on to aspiring female coaches that they can be inspired by your journey and realize that there is a road there for them and there's, there's always opportunities out there. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for doing this, Vin. I love your initiative and it's a fantastic podcast. Thank you. All right, thanks so much. If I should say so, Carmelina's journey was certainly a fascinating and inspiring one that should definitely give some hope to young aspiring coaches. Join me again next time where my guest will be Peter Prigott discussing a guide to 3v3 soccer coaching. Thanks for listening. If you found value in the show, please share with your friends. We'd love to hear your views. So if you haven't already done so, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to visit our website at onthesideline.net, where you can access coaching sessions and more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.